0: Dallas, Texas is not in the house tonight, at least not here on Amber and Ian on ESPN radio. They are quite literally in their house tonight on Thursday night football. The Seahawks are in town in Dallas. That game kicks off in just about 15 minutes from now. We will keep you updated on all things Thursday night football, but it is in fact the Miami area. And I say area because he claims yes. Miami, but really he's very squarely in Broward County. That is the voice of Jonathan Zaslow. filling not about that. Don't
1: worry about that. 305 <laughs> till I die. Don't worry yeah, about
0: you that. You live in the 954. You can find him at Zaslow Show. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. My area code is also 954. But let's bring in some help with all things betting. And for that, we always turn to our friend, Anita Marks, ESPN sports betting analyst. Anita used to also live and spend some time down in the 305 And Anita, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Let's start with this game tonight on Thursday Night Football ball the Cowboys over 27 and a half team points according to ESPN bet what are we doing here
2: yeah that's that's how I'm flowing uh, I am going to go Cowboys team total over 27 and a half points they're averaging 41 points at home at AT&T Stadium this season they're outscoring their opponents by 29 points per game at home so uh, you know one of the best home field advantages uh, this season Seattle's defense bottom third in regard to Red Zone, uh, they ranked 25th in the NFL in regard to all 32 teams. And also, let's not forget, they allowed over 30 points to the 49ers and the Ravens. So uh, I think that's the play here. This, this line is, is too much for me. When you look at the opponents that the, that the Cowboys have played, you know, guys, they have not beaten a team that's above 500. I know, you know, we're all goo goo gaga about this Dallas Cowboys team Game and Dak Prescott, but. Look at who he's played, the Giants, the Jets, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Rams, Carolina, Washington, right? So this arguably uh, is, I, I think Seattle's better than all those teams. So this is arguably the best team that they've played in a hot second. And also the history with Pete Carroll, he seems to have Dak Prescott's number. So uh, I do believe I like Tony Pollard a lot tonight. I think the running game for the Dallas Cowboys is what's going to help them put some points on the board. But uh, this line at nine and a half, it's a little bit too much for me. I'm staying away from, from, from a side and a total except the team total for the Dallas Cowboys over.
1: So, Anita, you like Pollard tonight? You know, maybe a Dallas team that has been blowing teams out at at and Stadium. You get to the second half. They run the ball a ton with Pollard. W- what does that scenario look like? What are the props for him?
2: Yeah, listen, I've been saying this for over two years now. Uh, like, I was I was blown away when they paid Ezekiel Elliott what they did because I always felt that Tony Pollard was the better running back in that backfield for the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm going to play him a lot of ways tonight. Again, I think he's going to be the straw that stirs the drink. I'm going to go anytime. Touchdown for Tony Pollard. I'm going to go over rushing yards. I'm going to go over carries, which last I checked was 13-and-a-half. He scored touchdowns in two straight games. Seattle's allowed 14 rushing touchdowns, fifth most in the NFL. They're ranked 29th in the red zone uh, against the run, and that's where really teams do their damage against them. Enrico Dowd, who's a backup running back, he's nursing an ankle injury. So I think we're going to have another night with uh, a really a lot of volume for Tony Pollard. Guys, two other profits that I do like tonight. DK Metcalf, I'm going to go under receiving yards for him. Michael Parsons, at Dallas defense, and the way that Seattle's offensive line is uh, has not been able to protect Geno Smith. I don't think Geno's going to have a lot of time tonight. Also, DK just did not look great last week, could not get the separation, had nine targets but only put up 32 yards. I think he's going to have that type of night, a difficult night again tonight. And like I said, Micah Parsons and that defense getting after Geno Smith. I'm going Dallas team total over three and a half sacks tonight.
0: Anita's Mark. She always has the good stuff for us. ESPN sports betting analysts here on Amber and Ian, Jonathan Zaslow filling in tonight for Ian. So you think Gino's going to struggle a bit. Obviously he's come back down to earth some this season after being the comeback player of the year. Last season, Anita Dak, on the other hand, squarely in the MVP conversation, a remarkable season. Do you have much for us on Dak? Yeah. You know, listen, I, I think Dak's
2: having a great season, but again, you know, you, you got to look strength of schedule. Why do we look at strength of schedule when it comes to college football, but we don't pay attention to strength of schedule when it comes to the NFL? I, I don't quite understand that. Um, you know, I think this is going to be an important night for Dak. And, I, and, and also, I think games on the horizon where the schedule gets a little bit like, okay, put up the 300-plus yards and the four passing touchdowns a game against the 49ers, against the Eagles, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, now we're talking. Also, I do believe Dallas is going to have to unseat the photo of the Eagles in the Get NFC East in order, in order for Dak Prescott to win the MVP, guys. And, and that, listen, and that very well could happen, right? Like, we've got a big game, probably the game of the week coming up, with the Eagles and the 49ers, and a lot of people think that the 49ers are going to win that game. So if Dallas wins this game, Eagles lose against the 49ers. Okay, you know I, I think those odds are going to go down. So um, if you uh, if, if you're a really big believer in Dak, I'll tell you what now the time to jump on that.
0: If you truly believe he's
2: got a legit chance of winning the MVP.
0: Anita, let me get your opinion when it comes to the MVP race that you just mentioned, because Jalen Hurts is the favorite, according to ESPN bet. Zazzle and I were talking about this earlier in the show, I just don't get it because when you pull the numbers, Dak, for example, better by the numbers across the board than Jalen this season. And frankly, I think it should go to a non-quarterback position, really, if you want to get my opinion. But what do you think about where we sit with the MVP race and Jalen right now leading the way?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, the second half with with Jalen Hurts last week was just heroic, right? Like and and did it against a really good team. Um so right now my vote would go to Jalen Hurts and just how good uh this Philadelphia Eagles team is playing this season. Um you know, you, you can't sleep on Patrick Mahomes as well. I mean, I think the story and the narrative is they're winning with arguably the worst wide receiving core in the NFL, right? Like, you know, I, I mean, obviously you've, you've got, got Travis Kelsey, but still, um, Rasheed Rice, did anyone even draft him on their fantasy football rosters to start the season? I think not. Um, I, I think Lamar Jackson at 4-1, to one, man, you know, him coming out and folks saying, like, whoa, you, you should really try playing wide receiver or running back because you're never going to make it as a quarterback in the NFL. And in the first few years, oh, he's a quarterback, but all he does is run the football. Now he's got Todd Monk in there, and now it's become one of the most explosive passing offenses in the NFL. Um, and I'm going to go one step further. C.J. Stroud sitting at 20-1. to 1. Guys, if the Texans win their division, and, and I know that it's far-fetched because I think Jacksonville is going to win that division, but let's just say, you know, even if they go to the, the playoffs, I, I know C.J. Stroud obviously is going to get the rookie of the year, but can you imagine if he gets rookie of the year and he's in the running for the MVP? I, I, you know, the Jacksonville-Texans game was the premier game at 1 o'clock. That was the first game that I, like, you know, I've got three TVs going. I'm watching everything. But I, I watched, that was my first true game watching. This kid is unbelievable. How did Carolina not draft him and take Bryce Young? Boy, Frank Wright got fired this week. And, and you know, I'm not one who, who screams at a mountaintop to fire anyone. That's just not what I do. But, man, uh, might, might be well-deserving considering what C.J. Stroud is doing with the Texans. And they, they draft him. Boy, wow.
1: Anita, we'll, uh, we'll let you go on this. You mentioned 49ers and Eagles. Certainly, uh, you know, probably the best game of the weekend, but it also has major implications to what happens tonight with the Dallas Cowboys, NFC East, even the number one overall spot overall in the NFC. 49ers, three-point favorites on the road at the team with the best record in the NFL. Did that stand out to you?
2: Yeah, you know, this is this is really wild because this line opens up with the Eagles being favored by one, one and a half in some places, and now they're getting three at home. I, I mean, that's, that's, guys, that's a huge line shift, change. It's unbelievable. Now, and, and again, I, I'm looking at strength of schedule here. Who have the 49ers beaten? The Steelers, the Rams without no Cooper Cup the Giants, the Cardinals without Kyler Murray as their, their quarterback, the Bucs, and Seattle with Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker banged up. They lost to Cleveland, the Vikings, and Cincinnati. Yeah, they handed it to the Jags, but keep in mind, they had two weeks to prepare for that game, and the Jags were going up against the Tennessee Titans the following week, and I think that's where their attention was. Um, the 49ers play a lot of zone coverage, a lot of cover three and cover four. I think this might be a sneaky good play. If I'm going to play this, I'm going to play the Eagles at plus three and a half. I think this is going to be a closer game than what most, most people think. And also, I think this is a good spot to use the Eagles as a two-team six-point teaser and tease them off to plus nine. I just, I think this Eagles team is is, is really really good, and I don't think this is going to be a beatdown uh, like a lot of people think. You know, so that's I I, I think the Eagles are getting
0: you so disrespected here. It's really, really unbelievable. Anita Marks, ESPN sports betting analyst. She's kind enough to join us each and every week here on Amber and Ian. Thanks so much, Anita.
2: You got
0: it. Let's go 305. 305 always. So, Anita always brings it when it comes to the betting advice. Of course, go to ESPN Bet to place all of your bets. But there was a time, Jonathan Zaslow, when betting wasn't always above board. And we know now, apparently, it appears, LeBron James's manager may have dabbled in some things. We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the app.
1: Again, try Jets' signature eight corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S A V E. Jets' pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: So, LeBron James's manager and his whole team is nearly as famous as him at this point, right? So, Maverick Carter is a huge name, Jonathan Zaslow, when it comes to the NBA. Also, an incredibly successful name. According to the Washington Post, who dropped a report today, they claim that Maverick Carter, the manager for LeBron and business partner of his, told Mm -hmm. federal agents back in 2021 that he had bet on NBA games through an illegal bookmaker. His admission was told to federal agents that he could not remember placing any bets on the Lakers. He and he denied placing bets for other people, according to a report that summarized the interview and was reviewed by the Washington Post. I gotta be honest, doesn't sound good though, when the biggest manager in the NBA is placing illegal bets on NBA teams.
1: Well, when when you say when you know illegal Allegedly, bookmaker, alleged. that's because <laughs> Well, no, it's not allegedly. He, it's not he alleged. He's, it. a,
0: he's he's saying it. Yeah. But it not on alleged basis. at all.
1: Allegedly, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not alleged by his own and,
0: admission, according to yeah. the Washington Post.
1: <laughs> yeah, cover my bases. And so that that's because back then, I mean, things like you know ESPN bet like it wasn't around. Laws have changed all all around the country in a lot of the states, right? So just like you know Christopher Mad Dog Russo, like Maverick Carter was calling Fat Rob earlier in the afternoon, and. And placing wagers, apparently, is what he's saying, right? Like that's how it was going down from Maverick Carter. Here's, here's the part. Okay, so I got a couple things here. The first part is obviously it doesn't look good, but absolutely. And the question is, when he's saying he did not place any wagers for anyone else, we're only talking about one other person. When it's anyone else, that's all we're referencing. Anyone else means one person, LeBron James. That's all we are talking about there. Well, is Maverick okay, Carter
0: so he, only the manager of LeBron James? No, right? Is he managing anybody so. else? Is he only yeah, LeBron so. I mean, James' it's manager? Rich Paul, who, right, has a who bunch runs of the clients, agency so. and all that. Okay, yeah. so Maverick Carter's just LeBron. I don't know. I, I'm not yeah, well versed, and so. I know yeah. far more about Rich Paul than I do Maverick Carter. Okay, so he's a single client. So then you're right. There is a guy <laughs> that you're referencing. Yeah,
1: everyone else is referencing one person. That's yeah. it, LeBron James, because they want to make sure that he's not placing. Like, look, if LeBron were to place bets, which would be so stupid, not because the ramifications of getting caught, but because he's he, he is he makes so much money, it's so like, like it makes no sense to you actually think LeBron, bet on games.
0: You think LeBron makes more uh, through salary and endorsements than he could make from Fat Rob in the back alley?
1: Right. It, it, it's it's. <laughs> It's that's it's so illogical, okay? So when, when they're referencing everyone else, yeah, it's, all right, we just want to make sure that LeBron wasn't involved here. But nothing's going to come of this, Amber. Nothing's going to come of it because it, gambling is so relevant now in today's sports, all right? We, 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 we see that. We, we just spoke with Anita for the past 10 minutes at the top of the hour here. Gambling is so relevant when it comes to these leagues. Also, they're not going to. They're not going to wind up looking into and punishing the biggest star in sports. It's a terrible look for everybody involved. Oh, and by the way, we all know that the NBA is holding on to this little idea of an expansion team in Vegas one day, which we all know the worst kept secret is going to be owned by LeBron James. All right, so nothing is going to come of this, but the part, Amber, that I think is is interesting and would be potentially problematic for someone like Maverick Carter or just moving forward however they decide to handle this stuff. He may not have been placing bets for anyone else, but if Maverick Carter is placing bets for the, in the NBA back then or whenever, he's essentially doing it like it's it's insider trading, right? That's
0: what we're talking well, about. Well, that's here. that's one of the problems is that, and you have now in this world, even where it's legalized, right? You have very stringent rules now at a lot of people who work in the world of sports or a lot of companies that are associated with sports that you cannot use information that you gain through your work to then go place bets that could be advantageous for you. Now, that's one of the complications that we're running into with this world of legal sports betting. Back then, Wild Wild West 2021, he was not doing it legally by his own admission. This was all revealed in part of a federal case against, uh, I believe, that bookie or against a bookie it appears anybody's, And he yeah, was like, yeah, not, also he make was, clear.
1: He's not the center of, he's any not kind a suspect.
0: So that's why we didn't hear about this for so long. That's also why they weren't going to then charge him with a crime. While he clearly admitted to one. The reason is, is because he was cooperating with authorities. So I imagine they gave him that the, the uh, you know, we're, Hey, we're not going to go ahead. You've got perfect. You got immunity here. You can tell us well, whatever. Like we're not going to go ahead and small charge you with a fish if in a you... much
1: bigger instance.
0: Right. And he cooperated, I'm sure in return for immunity. It's I'm sure he's for the last few years been living in fear that this is going to come out because I think the bigger problem here isn't just sort of like the insider trading like aspect of this where yes you have that relationship with LeBron even if you're not betting on the Lakers and reportedly he had bet about 20 times on football and basketball games reportedly from the range of $5,000 to $10,000 per wager. So he was doing this, and this is the only time that we know that he was doing this. I mean, listen, this is one book, it's possible he was doing this beyond that. Could he, although not gambling on LeBron and on the Lakers, could he be using information from the most plugged-in guy in the entire NBA to make wagers because you're BFF with LeBron? Course. Of course. And I think that's, and that's all, it, it looks bad. It looks bad that affiliate, for LeBron, the affiliation looks bad where you don't, if you're LeBron, you don't want anybody on your team, right? Even giving the guys of not just your involvement in betting, but also your involvement in that component of betting as well.
1: And when we're talking about, you know, just for example, when, when, we're, when I'm talking about it's insider trading essentially. You know, most NBA players, especially the older ones, they map out, like, a schedule of, okay, uh, you know, this is going to be a rest day because load management, everybody loves load management. So this is going to be a rest day. This could be a rest Like, they're mapped out throughout the season. And we're only, as fans, privy to it, like, the day of or the day before the game. But they're, they map this out the entire season, the games that they are likely going to sit out. Well, what if someone has information from, and we're saying a player, LeBron, because that's what we're talking about here. It's like, hey, listen, coming up next week or, you know, in four or five days. It's one of the games I'm sitting out. uh, And then said person goes and places a wager because they know, even though it hasn't been announced yet, they got insider info that LeBron ain't playing that game. That's insider trading. Like, that's what we're talking about, which can really make things ugly in the sports betting world.
0: It can make things ugly. Again, it looks bad for LeBron. Is it actually a violation of anything? That's where it gets a bit murky. Obviously, what happened is Managers are
1: allowed to gamble like that. Managers are allowed to. Agents can't. Um, obviously players, but managers, they're, they're allowed to wager. Right,
0: because he's not subject to the same NBA rules. He's not right. part of the PA. The NBA has, has no authority, I would imagine, or very little authority over him, maybe just certification and whatnot. So, if there's no rules against that, and maybe there should be rules against that moving forward, that seems complicated, but regardless it's not necessarily a violation in terms of the NBA. I wonder, I was meaning from the LeBron James perspective, like if he was feeding him inside information, right? That he was gathering. I and if that, he was using that for insider betting, is that any sort of violation? I, These are I, the things that are complicated.
1: Yeah. I, 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 it gets complicated. And, it looks and bad. That would potentially be really bad.
0: Yeah. Right. And it, it looks really, really bad. Cause we all know how tight those two are. I would imagine Although Maverick Carter is not, you know, he's not going to be disciplined for this in any way. He probably nothing's going to come of this. Nothing's going to come of this. He still probably did not want this information out there. Plenty more coming up on ESPN Radio.
1: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for
3: details.
0: Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Back here on Amber and Ian, Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight, and it is championship weekend. There are four undefeated trying to stay undefeated this weekend, one of those, of course, being the Florida State Seminoles. Mike Norvell is the head coach. Ian had an opportunity to speak with him earlier today, and he asked him what Mike Norvell learned from his squad and quarterback Jake Rotemaker against my Florida Gators last week.
4: I just continue to confirm, you know, who I uh, believe in. In, in who they are. I mean, and, you know, Tate, the game started to probably as bad as it possibly could You know, there for us offensively. Um, you know, just really put in some challenging situations, some things that he couldn't even really control. But, uh, you know, he just continued to believe. You know, had, had a huge drive there, a two-minute drive right before the first half, made some great throws, you know, really stood in there, a couple third-down conversions, and he just never got rattled. And that's something that we've, we've known about him. And, you know, he he showed he was ready, he was prepared and was able to go execute in that in that moment and so uh you're just proud of uh, proud of him and and this team you know they've just showed their heart you know the grit the toughness uh you know just being a being a disciplined group you know throughout the course of that game and uh, you know we made the plays that were necessary to uh you you mentioned them that's that's a it's a huge rivalry so much emotion but uh you know our guys uh just stayed true to who they were and and found a way to go uh, you know win win the game going away
3: you know, a lot of teams take on the personality of their head coach and watching you behind the bench, you know, and we've, I've had the privilege of having you twice this year. You never get too high, never get too low. And, and I noticed that with your quarterback and some of your leaders, Jared Verse, your All-American you know, edge rusher as well. What does that say about your guys in, a, in an environment like that, coming in with a, with a championship game on the line, college football playoff berth on the line, that you never really see your guys get too high or too low?
4: You know, just trying to be confident in the work. I mean, I watch these guys. I watch how they work. Uh, you know, I know how much they, they invest and how much they care about each other. And it's, it's about going and, and showcasing the response. Uh, you know, there's going to be emotion. There's going to be emotions. There's going to be momentum swings. You know, I tell our team all the time, momentum only affects the team that allows it to. And so as we sit there and we go through it, even if you find yourself in a, in a challenging situation, just go play that next play and to continue to grow, continue to get better. And I think that they've, they've done a great job of, of applying that throughout games this season and uh, you know definitely showed up there last saturday
3: mike norvell head coach of the fourth ranked florida state seminoles joining us here on espn radio we'll be on the call of that game with mark kester and kelly Stoffer right here on your home for the college football playoff and now we're around 48 hours away from kick coach uh, you've, you've installs in how have your men looked prep wise coming into this great matchup against louisville
4: I mean, they're excited. You know, you go twelve twelve weeks throughout the season, and they've done everything they could to to put themselves in in, in this position. Um, you know, we're playing a Louisville team that is extremely explosive. Uh, you know, they've got playmakers on both sides of the ball. You know, it's going to be a great battle for us. Uh, but I mean, our guys. You know, there's a, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of investment. We talked about that uh, you know throughout the course of the season. Everything's building for us to continue to go take another step. And and tonight, being able to uh to play in a. a a conference, a conference championship game, an opportunity to go, uh you will know, put to put our guys in a position to, to to achieve that is something that would be really big. And uh, you know, I, I know our our guys are excited about that. Uh, the continued process of go just going to get better.
3: You know, Coach Norvell, having gotten to know you the last couple of years, you don't strike me as a politicking type when it comes to the college football playoff uh and, and whether your squad deserves to be in. Are one of the best teams in college football. Do you save that in case, if you do win the ACC championship, is that something you save or you have a forum right now if you if you want to have a message to the committee? but you strike me as a guy who doesn't like the politic. am I right?
4: No, I mean I, I believe in our team. I believe in, in what we've done and how we're going to continue to respond. You know, ultimately, we know the job that we've got to go do, and we know the things that we control. And, and it comes, it comes Saturday night. We're going to get our opportunity to put it on display once again. And uh, you know, obviously, if we do what's necessary and we do what, we do what we're capable of, uh, you know, then we'll we'll have the conversation. But I believe in I believe in our team, and uh, I believe their 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 play speaks for itself.
3: You know the, the the college football playoff. That's a very big picture topic, and, and, and another one is a transfer portal. Just before we get me, I get your thoughts on what you, what stands out from Louisville on tape to you. Matt Rule, head coach of Nebraska, uh, mentioned it the other day that you know the going rate for a a quality quarterback in the transfer portal is between one to two million dollars. When you saw that, and, and as a current head coach also, and you've hit the portal brilliantly with guys like Keon Coleman. What was your reaction? Is that the going rate right now for a good quarterback in the transfer portal?
4: You know, to be to be honest with you, I don't uh I'm not not fully aware of of all that, but uh you know, I think it's always about finding the right fit. I think as we go through and you know, whether it's recruiting high school high school young men or if it's if it's you know recruiting transfers you can find guys that are right fit to your program and there's there's a lot of different circumstances and a lot of different things um, you know that uh, you that young men and that, that schools are looking for uh, but uh, you know ultimately I want guys that uh, that truly uh, you know, have a desire to, to go be a part of something, you know, bigger than themselves. And, you know, I think we've, we've been able to hit at a very high level. we have got great players that have been able to come in and, and make an unbelievable impact. Uh, You know, they've been showcased, you know, with their ability on the field, they continue to grow to who they are off the field. And, you know, that's, it's, it's been special to see our team come together. And so, uh, you know, I know everybody's got their own perspective of of things and how it operates, but um, you know, for us, you know, we're just, you know, as we continue to to go through this journey, it's about finding the the best guys and the best fit for Florida state.
3: Man. And you have hit home runs Uh, and and it it, it strikes me as you do it by need. Like last year, Jared verse coming in as a transfer from all from Albany, Keon Coleman this year from Michigan state. How, what is your process to figure out that's the right guy that fits our program.
4: Uh, I think you said it right. You got to find the, the, the needs, uh, and you know, not every year there's not necessarily a need at a position. Uh, there might be some years where you you, you could use a, a little bit more experience, or, or somebody just uh, you know, truly fits, you know, uh, you know with the, you know who they are, you know the the skill set that they bring that could add a different dynamic or element to your team, and, and those are things you always look at. But you know, I, I think when you look at uh, you know this this. Past week, you know, we've got I think it's 25, 25, uh, you know, guys that or, or twenty three guys that uh, were recognized as, as all ACC performers, and uh, you know, it was it was wow. close to fifty fifty of high school and, and transfers that were that, that have been here, who are guys that have just come in and, and uh, been a part of our program for a few years, and, and that's something that I, you know, I like that balance because you see the development, but you also see guys that have come in and had immediate success. So, uh, you know, ultimately, it's it's always about finding you know what your football team needs and how that you know how bringing somebody in can uh, can affect the overall uh you know dynamic of each position but also each side of the ball and collectively with your team
3: mike norvell head coach of the fourth ring Knowles, they've got the acc championship game on abc and right here on espn radio here with us last one let's get into louisville uh i talked to the same four scouts every single week getting ready for a game and each one of them said louisville secondary is legit they got three guys They're going to play on Sundays. When you watch Louisville, starting with that defense, what stands out to you, Coach?
4: Now they're talented. I mean, they, they come, they attack. You know, you're going to get one-on-one opportunities out on the perimeter, but they, they are ta- they're talented, and that allows them to be very aggressive up front. Uh, they've got an impactful uh, you know, forcing unit to you know, start with their defensive, defensive linemen. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a heck of a matchup, and you know, this is an explosive football team. You know, Offensively, defensively, special teams, uh, you know, they've got great playmakers. I think they're very well coached. I mean, it's going to be a, a heck of a battle.
3: As we turn you loose, what is your favorite thing about game day?
4: Uh, you know, it, it's all it's things with the, the buildup, the preparation, everything that goes into a week and, and preparing for just a moment and getting to see guys, uh, you know, whether it's running out of the tunnel, standing on that sideline and just the confidence that they have because of the work that they put in and, you know, trying to maximize every play, you know, the response, the identity, you know, all the things that you get to put on display uh, throughout the course of the game. I mean, it's just, it's special. And, uh, you know, I, I love the, the, this team that I get to coach and just, uh, you know, the relationships that they built and seeing them have each other's back throughout the, throughout the three-and-a-half-hour game. Uh, there's nothing like it.
3: Best of luck to you, man, Coach. See you on the field on Saturday night. Come away healthy. Thank you for your time as always.
4: Thanks so much, and go Knowles.
0: I don't know about the whole Go part, but I guess I'll let Mike Norvell do that. Uh, the Florida Gator and me, I got a little nauseous there. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for <laughs> Ian Fitzsimmons. Ian and I, Zaslow, all week were arguing tooth and nail about the Noles because somehow, as much as I hate the Seminoles, I found myself defending these darn Seminoles, which isn't something that I want to do in life as a Florida Gator. But I feel like it would be so unfair and maybe that's not the right word, but it feels very icky to me if the Seminoles who are undefeated, who have defeated quite literally everybody placed in front of them and they can only play who's in front of them on their schedule, if they were not in a position to make a college football playoffs because their quarterback went down to injury.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm a University of Florida grad. Also, I grew up here in South Florida, so I grew up a Canes fan, so I do not like Florida State. There's respect for Florida State, but I do not like Florida State. And I, I have found myself in the same position defending them because I, if they win the ACC, if they go undefeated, they've clearly been a top-four team in the country the entire season. And now you get to this moment where you win the ACC championship and you're undefeated, and you're going to be left out because the quarterback got hurt. I... I hate the idea of the committee, them trying to predict what FSU is going to be without their starting quarterback. We know that the new kid is not as good, but Do we? we don't know. Right, we don't know. I mean, we don't
0: really know. We know Jordan Travis really is know. good. We don't really right. know how good Rotomaker is. He hasn't had much of a chance. Right.
1: It's that's, unlikely that's he's going to be as good, but we don't know. We don't They should be judging these teams on the body of work. Like, isn't that what the season is for? And the body of work has been phenomenal for FSU. And yes, I agree. While we don't think that he's better than Jordan Travis, we don't know. And it's not supposed to be, I wouldn't think, unless I'm off base here, I don't think it's the committee's job to predict what the future is going to look like. They should be judging these teams based on the body of work. And in that case, I hate the idea. I I mean, we know how important the quarterback position is, but football, football is supposed to be the ultimate team sport, right? That's what we always hear everybody who played the game say. It is the ultimate team sport. And so losing one, one kid, losing one player, should not then take away from what the entire team has done. So I got a big problem. I hate FSU. I'm sorry. I said it, but You're I got a sorry. big problem. I'm then. not sorry. Either. I'm, I'm not sorry. I don't know who told you. I'm sorry about I'm not sorry, but I got a big problem if FSU is going to be left out. I don't think it's right. It's not right.
0: Ian Fitzsimmons served on the mock playoff advisory committee here and had to put together one of these, you know, mock playoffs once and it's no easy task, but he said that you are instructed to choose the four best teams in the country, not the foremost deserving. And that's why I he kept saying Florida that. state's not the best team. And I thought that that's not how they should be advised because that's, that's it seems bullpucky. crazy to me. It, like why even do the season then? Like we can all just sit why, down before the, the championship season and we games can, games can go, okay, you know, Alabama, Ohio state, Michigan, yeah. like bada bang, bada boom. We we pick the four well, best teams, right? Yeah. Well, why why should Georgia and Alabama?
1: Why should Georgia and Alabama play for the SC championship this weekend? We know Georgia's better.
0: We know They're Georgia's better. better. No matter what happens yeah. this weekend, we're all going to think Georgia's better, right? Yeah. Why play? Why Unless play the Alabama? Big Ten blows them out. We
1: we know Michigan is better than Iowa. Oh, why play?
0: Absolutely. Just put Michigan
1: in the. Just put them in the in, in the playoff. Why Why are we playing this game? Right. I I hate that idea that it's got to be the four best teams, not the four most deserving teams. I think it should be the exact opposite. It should be the four teams who... I actually believe the opposite. It should be the four teams that deserve it ahead of the four teams that are best.
0: The Dallas Cowboys up right now 10-7 on the Seattle Seahawks in the first quarter of Thursday Night Football. Coming up next, we will keep you updated on this game. Plus, we will tell you who got in the NFL's Week 13. (laughs) Despite what you just heard me say... Why are you laughing? On the tease. <laughs> the end of last segment. It is not about who's into week
5: 13. Hold on, hold on. Uh, this, is, this is what you heard.
0: Plus, we will tell you who got in the NFL's week 13.
1: Okay, I mean, so, okay, so let, me, let me help out the listener here a little spoiler bit. Spoiler alert. Let, let
0: everybody me... who's not on a bye, which I think is like everybody but the Baltimore Ravens, they all got into week 13 in the NFL.
1: Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, l- let me backpedal for a second, because here's what happens. All right, that right there at the end of a segment it called, it's called a radio tease. All right, and it's meant to have the listeners say, "Ooh, that sounds exciting! What they're about to talk about." So, I'm definitely not going to change the station. I'm sticking with Amber and Ian. Okay, that's what that is. That's a little behind-the-curtain radio tease. Okay, and Amber teased, "We're gonna f- can, play. Can we play it again, there, James? So this year <laughs> no! is. well as you will tell
0: you who got in the NFL's week." 13
1: okay so you hear that you're 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 listening to the show and and now it's like I I gotta stick through the commercial because I gotta know who got into week 13 of the NFL so Amber I've been waiting too who got into
0: week 13 I hope my favorite team got in did the Dolphins get into week 13 yeah the Dolphins got in this week to week 13 nice Nice. yeah congrats yeah I I mean a big week uh, I think it's everybody. Does anybody else have a bye week other than the Baltimore Ravens this week?
1: I think a few teams are left out. A few. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. more than who, who one has we? to
1: have a bye. Because
5: right. it was Right. No, one I know. Team, who then... is,
0: who's on the bye other than the Ravens this I week? Well, Ravens, it was
1: so. your tease. The You're the one who teased it. <laughs> you tell us who didn't get it.
0: we will tell you who got in the NFL's week 13. I mean, I, my that's favorite, a prestigious week, apparently.
5: My favorite part is when week. she realized that what she was reading wasn't what she was reading.
0: Okay, here's what happened, okay? I have odds around these in. teases right now. If
1: Bills got left out of week 13. They
0: They're on me to go ahead and tease at the end of every segment. I don't always do that. Sometimes I'm just, I, I, especially against a hard out, we're talking, we're in the midst of things. I'm not always teasing, right? Such a rebel. So I'm trying to tease, and... This might be proof of maybe why I shouldn't always tease because I swear I read what was on my screen from James,
5: that was <laughs> but I don't not know what why James that is wrote. Not what I had
1: written. It
0: is I don't know not why had And you can hear as it, as it's coming out of my mouth of like this. Giants didn't get into
1: Week 13. They didn't
5: get <laughs> there. In.
0: You go. They Darn. didn't get in. That's Bless so we tell did you not them. Get in. Gosh, they've had such a tumultuous season (laughs) and then did not get into week 13. Just
5: listen to how she realizes it, like probably halfway through.
0: Plus, we will tell you who got in the (laughs) NFL's week 13. Yeah,
5: you can hear it. She was really
0: confused. Yeah, I leak confidence real, real obviously. You can hear
1: when she, hey, can I tell you also, this is sad, all right? I hope everybody's okay with it. Vikings didn't get into week 13.
0: Thank you. Vikings not in. What? Gosh, I'm not like bummer, man. After the injuries this season for the they Vikings, and it's a tough break. Oh, that's a tough break. It is. Tough Kirk break. Cousins goes down. Josh Dobbs. Now you don't get into Week thirteen.
1: and get in. It's tough. All right, <laughs> there you
0: go. All right, well there you go. Um, I mean, heck of a tease. We appreciate you sticking around to find out who did not get in <laughs> to Week thirteen. Uh, is Everyone it the- wanted to know. Everyone we're going to do got one now
5: if you want to talk. And here we got are. One. Let's
0: talk about the. Yeah, let's talk about the games that are the teams that did get into week 13. Oh I am so Recover. off my game. All right, right, right.
3: we're going to do this right now. Amber. <laughs> Amber Indian got one. We got
5: one. I'm just going to take over now.
0: It's not the Ravens, the Bills, the Bears, the, tears, the Raiders, the Vikings, of or the Giants. They are not in to week thirteen. Everybody else it? is. Let's yeah,
5: go for it. They I, I think it the time. best thing to do is for me to take over here. Uh, so we'll start with the Dolphins. They're nine and a half point favorites on the road against the Commanders. Did they get in? They, get, they got, in, got in. Zazz, they got in. Zazz, uh, who do you got?
1: Yeah, I got. I got the Dolphins. I got the Dolphins. Big here, man. I think they're going to run all over Washington, especially the second half. Yeah, a lot of points scored for Miami. I got the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, uh, this is an easy one for me. They certainly got into Week 13. They're going to own and dominate Week 13. Got one. It's clearly the Miami Dolphins. We're very objective on tonight's show. With Jonathan Taslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons, by the way. Now that I stopped laughing so hard that I'm crying.
5: Yeah, that was a a layup for you just to get you back on track. Uh, The Lions are four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Saints. Amber, who do you got?
0: I do not like these Saints this season. I did not think the Saints were going to be particularly good this season. This has happened the last few years where everybody thinks the Saints are going to get on track and right the wrongs, and it just doesn't feel that way. Uh, The Lions, I've been slow to come around on, but they are the clearly better team here. I'll go Detroit.
1: All right. Both these teams got into week 13. Congrats to them. Hey, hey. Yeah, Lions. Big bet. Yes, congrats. They got in. (laughs) The Lions, big week for them coming off of, they get the extra day's rest because they played on Thanksgiving and, uh, well, I mean, technically they played, they put up a real dud. So I think you're getting a big bounce back from Detroit.
5: Yeah, I wonder how close it was for them not getting in since they played so poorly on Thanksgiving, just like the Lions usually do. All right, the Cardinals play the Steelers. The The Steelers are five and a half point favorites at home. Amber, who do you got?
0: Uh, Cardinals or Steelers, I I guess I'll go Steelers here. Uh, This is a strange Steelers team, but they do seem to have gotten some sort of resurgence here. Jonathan Zaslow from the fired OC. We'll see if it lasts. You always get the boost after the fired coach, though. It doesn't always last by any means. However, it's Mike Tomlin against a Cardinals team I don't believe in. Steelers.
1: Yeah, well, I think you're right that you do get the initial boost, but it also usually doesn't last. I got the Cardinals here, all right? Wow. The Cardinals got the win in Kyler Murray's debut a couple of weeks ago. I think they're better with Kyler Murray than just a two-win team, and one of the few wins that they're going to get could definitely be against a Steeler team that really struggles offensively. I got the Cardinals.
5: All right, one more real quick. You're talking about the boost. The Panthers play the Bucks in Tampa. The Bucks are five-point favorites. Zaz, who you got?
1: Oh, I got the Bucks. Congrats again to both these teams getting into Week 13. The Bucks <laughs> are just a game back of first place in the NFC South. I got the Bucks.
0: Bucks still playing for everything, which is weird to say considering how their season is gone. I will take the Tampa Bay Bucks as well. Coming up next, which current division leader is most likely to blow its lead? We will tell you next. That's how. That is how you tease. What a tease! Nailed it.